of them is here this morning. And she is going on a, another missions trip to Thailand, not to Cambodia. Her dad got the wrong place on the newsletter. <laughs> She's going to Thailand. He's going to come and share those things. But I just appreciated Jason, his ministry. He went down there, and the, the story goes, Pastor Jeff, I remember him telling me this. Somebody asked Jason, it might have been Pastor Jeff. He says, how long are you going to be there? He says, you know, was it 10, 20 years? It was forever. You know, and, he, and he's still faithfully serving. He's been, he was down in Costa Rica for how many? 15 years. It's living down there. Lots of crazy things happen on the mission field. Life been threatened many times. And so he might share some fun stories with you. Then God began to expand his ministry over the time. And now he's traveling all around different parts of the world, especially, of course, Latin America. He's been into, are we recording yet? Are we? Okay. He's been into some places um, that he sh- Okay, I know we, we, we couldn't say it last year. He's, he's been into Cuba, um, and, and we couldn't actually say that last year um, because of the legalities of it, uh, you, you know. And so he's gotten to go and preach, and thousands and thousands of people getting saved in Cuba. Um, so God has used him traveling, speaking. He's been on Hour of Power, and God has given him a message of encouragement, of vision, and hope in life. Now, can I be real, real with you guys this morning? There is an oppression in Big Bear. There is something over this town that needs to be broken off. And I am praying, and I believe it's breaking. I, I actually do believe it's breaking right now. And this morning is another break in this oppression that's been over this valley. And I, I, I'm going to ask that. Who really feels like this area is oppressed, like this heaviness? There's some people. You sometimes don't notice it until you actually leave and go somewhere else and come back and you go, there is something over this valley. Before we came home, we felt it. It's not this church. It's over the valley. We're going to break through. We've got to pray and press through because God has a plan for this valley. I want to share, Frederick Ward doesn't plan, plan on doing this, that God has given multiple times, and he gave to me many years ago, 20 years ago. And I was up praying at the Baldwin Mine, praying with a group of people. And as we're, we're praying over the valley, standing up at Baldwin Mine, just asking God's glory to come, and he showed me this, this vision of, of liquid light being poured into the valley and filling up the lake, overflowing until the light, this liquid light, the glory of God, overflowed and went down into San Bernardino and Redlands and dealt the back way into the desert. And it was such a cool vision. And I don't get a lot, but I had this vision. I got really excited, and I came and I shared it with Pastor Jeff. And he said at that time it was at least the third exact same vision that God had showed different people. God wanted to do that. And I believe, I am praying that this is the season that that's going to happen. The oppression goes. The glory of the Lord comes in, not in finances. We had our heyday in finances a few years ago. We need a heyday in the glory of God to be poured out in this valley to make a real difference in people's lives. And so, you know, he doesn't have much pressure on him to deliver this this morning. But Jason's going to come. He's going to share the word of the Lord. And I just believe he's part of, of breaking through and the power of, of vision. So let's, let's welcome Jason Friend. No pressure. What an honor it is to be here with you this morning. I sense God's presence in this place. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, wherever there's oppression, I'm encouraged. Because that means Satan has some sort of stake in something. 
And if Satan has a stake in something, that means there's value. There's value, and normally that means the presence of God is doing something in our midst. I uh, have always said this, and I'm just welcome to be here. As I drive up the mountain, I say, thank you, Lord, as we pull in over the dam and pass, of course, pass the CHP officer that's always hidden before you get to the dam. I have been nailed before by that same man for jumping over that double yellow. And as I came across the dam, I said, Lord, I'm coming into the promised land. I heard like one amen. And the rest of you are like, yeah. You are a blessed people. Let me say it again. You are a blessed people and you live in a blessed place. There's all this hoopla about the nation of Israel being the promised land. I don't know if you read the news, lady, but there are lots of bombs and things like that going off over there. And until they can get that resolved, I'll settle for this being the promised land. Uh, thank you for a wonderful introduction. Wow, that was a great introduction. Uh, I'd like you to just, like, maybe I can contract you to go before me and introduce me wherever I go. We... Um, my wife sends her greetings. My, my daughter Jasmine is with us, uh, with me this morning. She's our final, final female leaving the house. I live with five women. My wife, three daughters, and the dog. And, you know, I, 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 I love living with, uh, with all females. I haven't won an argument in 20 years, but I love living with females. I want to just, before I begin the message, I just want to give testimony and really back what Pastor Rob has said this morning, especially about, especially about giving. Um, in Latin America, no matter how poor or how rich you are, I was once rebuked because I made a rather arrogant statement. I don't give in the offering for what I can get or what I will reap. I give because I want to be obedient to the Lord. And see, Latins, they have ability to really size people up. They can size people up in an instant. And she had made it very clear to me that she was a little bit more practical. She said, do you think that the sower, when he goes out to sow, sows because he likes the sunlight? Think he likes to sweat? And just lose the seed out there. No, what does a sower sow? He sows so he can reap. Now, there are many of us here that will sow generously in the kingdom of God. And you will reap financially. I, the, the word will guarantee that you will reap something financially. But maybe you won't materialize in dollars. But it will rebuke the devourer. And when your car doesn't break down for five years, friend, that's money in the bank. So you build a hedge, of your, a hedge of protection around yourself, and you have no way to calculate that. But you are putting yourself and your finances in God's hands by being obedient to his word. And that's the way our Latin brethren look at it. And that's why, that's why uh, Blanca is walking in the blessings of God. She would tell you she is walking in the blessings of God. I want to begin part two of the message that I shared last year. We're going to begin part two of the message that we shared last year. And it's coming out of a book that I am almost finished writing. It's called 
Become what you believe. Whether you know it or not, you will become what you believe. And Jesus is leaving this town. He leaves the uh, this ruler's house, and he's got two blind two blind men uh, following him along the way. And as he's walking along, these two guys are saying, "David, mercy on us!" David, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. The whole way from the from the ruler's house all the way to his own house. Now, we don't know how long the distance was, but it was probably at least a mile or two. And the whole way, they won't shut up. He gets to his house, and the Bible says that they just come on in. Now, how many of you have been approached in a mall or maybe even at the supermarket by somebody who says, would you like to buy some candy bars? Want to buy some candy bars? Right? Or you want to help the Salvation Army? Now imagine the Salvation Army person or the local baseball team following you all the way to your car. Then they get in their car and they follow you honking all the way till you get to your house. And then when you get home, they come on inside. Are you sure you don't want a candy bar? Okay, that's what these two guys did. Uninvited. He turns to them and says, Do you, this is according to the message, do you really believe I can do this? And they say, why, yes, Master. And according to the message, the translation is, he touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. Become what you believe. And so my desire for you is that you become what you believe. We talked about the first three aspects that are necessary in order to see New Testament miracles. How many of you want to have the faith that moves the hand of God? Yes, here's your hands. Now, we talked about that. The first slide will show that the very first thing that people in the New Testament and Latins and Asians and Africans have around the world is this concept of a holistic, a holistic view of life. They don't separate church and state. They don't separate God when they go to work. When they walk into a courtroom, they are fully aware that Jesus walks in with them. That's the way the Latin and the African and those in the New Testament, that's the way they're wired. You can't separate the spiritual from the natural. The second aspect is they had a tremendous amount of respect and honor for those who were in spiritual authority. They recognized who Jesus was as well as the authorities that were over them and as well as their ability and necessity to serve those who were under them. The third aspect was this concept that they have a very clear definition of what desperation is. Do you know what desperation is for a gringo? I'm trying to send this text message and it won't go through. You may have a smartphone, but mine's a dumb phone. Right? You're watching on your DVR... your favorite show or a baseball game, and then all of a sudden, it freezes up. Life comes to a grinding halt. We pull into McDonald's or Burger King, and we're there for two minutes instead of one minute. Can you believe what this world is coming to? I mean, they call it fast food. We won't talk about the Flatlanders coming into this... But overseas, they have a different 
different definition of desperation and urgency. God doesn't do a miracle, they die. I'm going to Cuba in two weeks. You'll have an opportunity to give at the end of this service to help us in the ministry in Cuba. I hate to go empty-handed because the average income there is 15 bucks a month. If you're a surgeon, you top out at 30 bucks a month. A surgeon. That's why many female surgeons work in the tourist industry as prostitutes because they can make $1,000 a month instead of $30 a month as a surgeon. And they all have PhDs. Puts things into perspective about urgency and desperation. Kind of like Blanca, who's just thrilled about her concrete floors. Now what we're going to begin today is the fourth characteristic that we see in the New Testament, as well as in those lives around the world who are experiencing the miraculous. And that is that they are convinced that Jesus was their solution before they ever met Him. It wasn't thinking, it wasn't hoping, it wasn't feeling. Notice the word that I use was convinced. There's a difference between a belief and a conviction. A belief is something that you hold true. A conviction will drive you to action regarding that belief. And convinced is a step above belief. There isn't any doubt that Jesus is your solution before you meet him. Now, the woman with the issue of blood says in Mark 5, chapter 20, uh, Mark 5, cha- uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34, it says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. She financed the car, the house, credit cards. She went to Tijuana to get experimental medical practices done on her, like we've heard they do in Mexico and different parts of the world that the FDA doesn't approve here, so they got to go overseas. She blew all that she had, and the Bible says instead of getting any better, she what? She grew, she grew worse. This is the key phrase in this Bible verse. And you will see this key phrase laced throughout many different uh, miracle stories in the New Testament in the four Gospels. It says, when she heard about Jesus, that's when the miracle started. See, that's when the miracle started because that's when the convincing took place. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will, I will be healed. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Spanish or about conditional language, but there is no conditional language in her thought process. She's convinced. She heard about Jesus. I will be healed. The only condition in her mind is if I just touch. In other words, the only thing that's separating me from my miracle, all these other people that I got to crawl through to get to him. That's the only doubt. Imagine that. That's faith. She is thoroughly and utterly convinced because she thought I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. At once Jesus, I love this, at once Jesus says, whoa, 
Hey, who flipped the switch? Who turned on the power of God here? Now the, the Bible says that the disciples, who are obviously 12 lousy bodyguards, right? The Bible says that they said, you see all these people pressing in against you, and yet you ask, who touched me? But he was even smart enough, and he realized that the power not only went out from him, it went out from his clothes. See, he says, who touched my clothes? They respond, you ask, who touched me? Two different things altogether. So he realizes that the power goes out from his clothes. Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, yet you ask. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened in her body, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Why is this so important? Because this convincing causes what I call godly gossip. You know, there is such a thing as godly gossip. Do you know what godly gossip is? <laughs> Spreading the testimonies about the powerful things that God does. Hey, do you hear what's, do you hear what's happening at Big Bear Christian? Did you hear what's happening at Big Bear Christian Center? And no, we're not talking about scandals. We're talking about miracles. That's godly gossip. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. That word means report. Means report. Hearing the report of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the report of God. That's why the Bible says when she heard about Jesus, that's because they, she had heard a report. That's what produced faith. And that's what started the miracle in its process. Moving on to the fifth characteristic that we see, and this is perhaps becoming one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. Miracles, friend, for a Latin and African and an Asian and those in the New Testament, they don't have a problem with this concept. Miracles many times are a process. We have a hard time con just conceiving that God would heal somebody over six months or a year period. We bring them to an altar, we lay hands on them, we dump a bunch of oil on their head, and God doesn't heal them. Well, guess it didn't happen. Try again tomorrow. And they have a different concept when it comes to time, those who live in other parts of the world, especially those in the New Testament. They have a different concept when it comes to time. It is a process. You see, we live in a fast food. Everything is so fast for us. It's got to be immediate. You know, we can... We can get on our phones and we can arrange an appointment at the DNV so that we can go to the DNV and only have to wait three hours in line instead of eight. Right? We, we can, we can pre-order. We'll, within a year, you'll be able to pre-order your Starbucks. Imagine that. And some of you addicts out there saying, Hallelujah! Right? Everything for us is so fast. So fast. Our power, when I preached on they said to me, you got 20 minutes. 
You don't have 19, you don't have 21, you have 20 minutes. You got to land that bird on air, on that aircraft carrier in 20 minutes. I said, okay, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Do you know how, how, how long the average 30-minute program is on television? 22 minutes. 22 minutes. And radio, the first, the first talk show usually begins about five after. They go to the commercial break about nine minutes later at 14 after. They come back after four minutes, then they have another four or five minutes before the bottom of the hour. Everything is timed to the second with our media, and you and I, friends, are programmed to live our lives that way. Gringos are world famous for being people of their watch. In, in Costa Rica, they used to say, I want you there on military time. Now they just say, we want you there on gringo time. So this concept that miracles are a process is rather foreign to us. This is what the Bible says in Mark 8, 22 through 26. This is becoming one of my favorite Bible stories. Mark 8, 22 through 26. I believe we do have it on the screen. It says, they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he spit on the man's eyes, let me just stop right there. Imagine having a healing service. You guys are thinking faster than I'm speaking. He spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. He asked, do you see anything? He realizes that this is the only time in the entire New Testament when Jesus lays hands on somebody and they're not immediately healed. This is the only guy. Number two, Jesus has to ask the guy, do you see anything? Can you imagine the Lord laying hands on you? And he goes, anything? Anything? <laughs> This is the only guy in the, in the history of the world. And Jesus can't seal the deal right off the bat. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. What does that tell you about the man? Blurry vision. He used to be able to see people. Yes. This guy once saw, otherwise he would have no reference for what trees look like or what people look like. I see trees, they, I see people that look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored. That's why it says restored and wasn't necessarily healed. That's why his, his, his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus said, sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Let's rewind the tapes. Let's look at the story one more time. Jesus comes into a town. People bring to him a blind man. Jesus does not say a word. They beg him to heal their friend or this individual. We don't know if it's a friend. Jesus takes the man by the hand, and what does he do? How bad does a city have to be that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would have to eliminate the influences of that city 
to have a one-on-one conversation with a blind man. That tells me that many times God has to remove you and me from our old man before He can do the miraculous in our life. There are many people, God is eager to do the miracle. He wants to do the miraculous. And guess what? They are still living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says, you know, I want to remove you from the old man. I want to remove you from your old life. I want to extract you from that which is holding you back. And you will not take him by the hand. And he will not lead you out of town. He's got to lead you out of your circumstance in order for the miracles to happen. Now, I don't know. Mark does not elaborate why the town was the way it was. But Jesus obviously saw that the town was not a good influence. That's why at the end of the story, he warned him, don't go back into the village. Something in our circumstance, many times, prevents the hand of God from moving in our lives. Secondly, he not only sternly warns him not to go home, but he realizes that there's a price to pay. Jesus realizes that there's a price to pay to be a disciple. You've got to cut ties with that old man. You've got to let that old man go. When I first became a Christian, it became very clear within the first week. I was 15 years of age, and I was drinking beer. It was illegal to drink beer. It still is illegal to drink beer at 15 years of age. Drinking beer as a brand-new Christian, and I remember the smell of beer on my shirt when I got up at my buddy's house. Left work, went to his place. I called my mom. I'm going to spend the night at so-and-so's Okay, and he had uh, a six-pack. We, we, we finished off the six-pack of beer, which is not all that uncommon. Not, not all that uncommon. I remember waking up smelling some beer on my shirt, looking in the mirror, and God spoke to me, I will have to remove you from your circumstance. And guess what happened to my friendships? As soon as they realized that I had Jesus living in my heart, it was like dropping certain drops of oil in water. The two just do not mix. And they didn't want to hang around with a newborn Christian, and so I began to form other relationships. And that's within months, I found myself in this church, worshiping the Lord. And and, and Pastor... Pastor Jeff and Pastor Gene were, were, were leading this great work. And I thought I was attending a mega church. There was, what, 12, 15 of us at the time? I thought it was a mega church. Look at all these believers. It's incredible. Now, look at it. Today's the place is packed. It's packed. Great things that God does when he removes us from our circumstances, then he can do the miracle in our lives. The third thing that it reminds me of is that God, that is the Lord, stuck with this guy even though his faith was not at the level in order to initiate the miracle. See, it wasn't the lack of the power of God because God's power is there. But many times our faith is not at the level where it needs to be. He didn't really know who Jesus was. There had to be an establishment of trust. That was one of the other reasons why Jesus took him out so he could have a one-on-one conversation. And not only that, he touched his eyes. That was a physical contact that is very necessary for a blind person because they cannot see who they're talking to. But they have this extra sense of feel 
And Jesus goes the extra mile. And he says, do you see anything? He serves him twice, you see. And what I'm saying, friend, is that God will stick with you. He will stick with you. The Lord is going to stick with you through thick and thin. And why did he stick with him? And why will he stick with you? Because he loves you. Because you are the apple of his eye. I don't know what miracle you need. I don't know what breakthrough you need in your life. I don't know what healing, what salvation, what child of yours is abandoning the ways of the Lord. I have no idea, but the Lord does, and he will stick with you. And he always has the ultimate word. He always has the last word. Ten leopards, ten lepers were coming, and from a distance they shout out to the Lord, and they say, oh, have mercy on us. And he nothing more than just sends a word of healing to them, saying, go show yourselves to the priests. And as the Bible illustrates this or talks about this in English, we don't really get it. It says, they were healed as they went. They were healed as they went. In Spanish, there are two past tenses. In order for us in English to get to the second past tense and understand it like a Latin does, I have to describe it to you this way. Between the time that they were leaving where Jesus was until the time that they got to where the priests were, God was healing their bodies along the way. Now you understand it. In Spanish, it's very simple. Mientras iban, quedaron limpios. As they were leaving, as they were going, in the process of going, they were healed along the way. And so many times God does heal us through a process. This is the wonderful thing. One of them decides to turn around and go back and thank the Lord. And the Bible says it was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, you know, I'm grateful that you came back to thank me. But wasn't there nine others? So yeah, but they're Jews. They decided to go ahead and... <sighs> Lord says, only one foreigner? Only one foreigner is going to come back? Friend, in other words, be grateful for the miracles that God has done and continues to do in your life. Stop and give thanks to the Lord. Believe me, it's very, very important. If you have ever written a check to a ministry and somebody has thanked you or at least mentioned it, appreciate you for how, you, how much you've given, that goes a long way. And when I write checks to other ministries, I notice that when people thank me or when they write me a little note or if they at least go out of the way to say hi to me and show appreciation. And when your child comes back to you after Christmas and said, you know, Dad, thank you very much for my iPod. It really meant a lot to me. Guess who's getting a bigger gift next year? Latins are so grateful. Africans are so grateful. Just sort of oozes out of them. We don't want to be too over thankful. It's part of our culture. You know, thank you. We don't want them to get a big head for what they've given. We don't want them to give for the wrong reason. We don't want them to do what they... But you know what? You can go out of your way and thank, 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 thank. Two most popular phrases in the English language are I love you and thank you. I had a friend on last week on the radio program. He's from Cuba. His name is Alex. I was interviewing him, 
I said, tell me about something that has recently happened in that nation. He said, there was a pastor. We have a pastor whose daughter, a few years back, she's about four years of age at the time, she was diagnosed with a severe and a very acute type of leukemia. No hope for her. The doctors initiated treatment. He said after about four months, she was so bad that they decided they had to cut off the treatment. There was no hope for her. After five months, they called the family in, and they looked the mother and the father in the eye, and they said, your daughter will die within two weeks. We're really sorry. We tried everything we could do. We just don't have the resources. They sent the child home. He said, I'll never forget it. On the, on the air, he was talking. He said, first, we cried. We cried with those parents. He said, secondly, we prayed. We prayed with those parents. And we started a prayer chain that God would do something miraculous. And what seemed to be about 10 days before her departing this world and heading into all eternity, he said, something miraculous took place. All of a sudden, she started to show signs of energy improvement. Her energy levels started to boost. So after several days, we took her into the doctor's and they did a test, and they thought that their equipment was malfunctioning. So they did another test, and they did another test. And after three days of solid tests, they said, well, you know, the truth of the matter is, is we can't find any leukemia. And they said, well, I'll tell you what happened. The Lord has healed this young girl. And the doctors had said to them, first of all, we don't believe in God. And secondly, you are filling this family with false hopes. Surely it's in remission. And friend, that was eight years ago. Eight years ago. Many times God begins a process. We don't know when it begins. Sometimes it drives us to tears. Sometimes we have no hope. But you never know the moment when God is going to do that final and incredible breakthrough. This past year we were in Costa Rica, in Barranca, and it was the first night of this campaign. We had about three or 4,000 people there, hotter than a pistol. I lost 15 pounds during that campaign. And as I gave the altar call, I noticed a lady and a teenager somehow getting around the guards, and they jumped over the barricades, and they were inside the green room tent, which is right adjacent to the, the platform. I came off the platform at the end of the altar call, and they are trying to keep the guards away. And all I can hear as I come down the steps is, you are not supposed to be here. You are not supposed to be here. And so she said, but Jason, I need to talk to you. As they were just about to escort her out, she said, Jason, I need to talk to you. So I, came, I said, well, let me hear what she has to say. She said, don't you remember me? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. She said, the last time you were in this city was nine years ago. I said, okay, well, that's probably why I don't remember you. She said, it was the last night of a crusade. Do you remember praying for my, for my two-year-old granddaughter at the time? I said, no, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't. She said, my husband carried our two-year-old granddaughter whose spine and hips were literally disconnected. There was no hope for her to walk. And they live in this marginalized, marginalized, where tin walls and laminas and concrete floor would be a luxur luxurious 3,000-square-foot home compared to what they lived in. We had no hope. We took her to the clinic. The doctors had no way of fixing her body. And my husband carried this body into the tent, and it was after the last night when 
the, the service was already dismissed. But we saw you at the very front. And my husband carried this body to the front. Lifeless body. Carried to the front. And you asked one question. Do you believe God can do this? Don't discount the question. Because the question demands an answer. It demands a verbal answer, which is why Jesus asked the two blind men, do you really believe I can do this? There is a reason for the question. The verbalization cements what is a belief in the heart. She said, you asked us the question, do you believe God can do this? And we said, yes. And you laid hands on her. We gathered around her as a family and we prayed for her. He said later, they said later on, we went home. We didn't see much of an improvement that first night. But the second night, we noticed that there were movement in the legs. And finally, after three or four days, that little girl began to walk. She was completely restored. She said, and I would like to present you to my 13-year-old granddaughter who was standing right next to her. At that point, at that point, one of the guards is wiping the tears in his eyes. He says, I need to start going to church again. I close with this. I know, I know some of you are literally living between a rock and a hard place. God will not abandon you. He will not abandon you. But if I could leave you with a prophetic word this morning, I would encourage you to have the attitude of three Old Testament heroes. When I, and sometimes I've heard Satan's voice say to me, I've got you and your family where I want you. I've heard him say, and I will destroy you. These three Old Testament heroes give me the kind of encouragement with the right kind of attitude. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were forced to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to a false idol. They refused to give up their faith. Notice what they said when Nebuchadnezzar calls them into his presence to give an account for their disobedience. They said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. This is what touches me. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve you, your gods, or worship the image of gold you have set up. For me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And this plane may go down, but it's going up in glory. I know many of you are facing great things. But the God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will do powerful things in your life. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your wonderful presence. I pray, Father, today that breakthroughs would come. Those, Lord, who need to not only see your miracles as a process,
that they would be convinced, a conviction would settle in their hearts this morning about the God who delivers, the God who redeems, the God who sets the captive free. I know, Lord, that some of these Bible stories they've already heard before, but I pray today that the people mentioned in this message would come alive as inspiration for them. For this is your kingdom. These are your people. You've called them with a great divine purpose. For you will never abandon them. You will uphold them with your righteous right hand because you are God who loves them. And you may lead them out of their town. You may lead them out of their circumstance. You may remove them from the destructive patterns in their lives. But it's for the purpose of giving them eyesight, of restoring them, of blessing them, of enriching their lives, of taking them to a whole new level, a whole new dimension. And you may say to them, I don't want you going back to your old life. Do not return to your old life. But that's because you know the great things that you have in store for them and the destructive patterns that have brought them down to the level where they're at now. I ask in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, you would help us cut the ties with the old man and begin to walk in a new fullness based in you. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I praise you, Lord, today. I pray that you would move powerfully in our midst in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, that you would break each and every chain in Jesus' mighty name and whatever spiritual oppression that is resting upon this valley by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We cast down every one of these strongholds. We come and we rebuke the devourer and we say, be gone in Jesus' name. We cleanse the airways over this valley in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill this place, to fill this valley, and to bring revival. And I thank you, Lord, for the great things that you're doing. Friend, if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you need God's hand to break the chains that are separating you from the blessing of God, perhaps you need to be removed from your circumstances, maybe or maybe not, I don't know, but you know that you need Jesus to lead you outside of the chaos. You need to take the Savior's hand so you can have a one-on-one with God so that his breakthrough will come. It may be in your finances. It may be in your health. It may be in your personal life. It may be in your relationship with others. But you need God's hand to move. And you need that miracle to come. You want to see it today, this week, this year. Slip up your hand with me this morning. Slip it up real high, and I don't want you to lower that hand. I want you to keep that hand in the air. With your hand in the air, I'm going to ask you to stand with me to your feet. I'm going to ask you to stand up with that hand in the air. Do not lower that hand. Keep that hand in the air and do not lower it. I want you to come forward with your hand in the air as if the Lord was guiding you outside of your circumstance. Walk with Him right now down to this altar. Walk with Him to the front as if He were leading you out of your circumstance and down here to the front. Those of you who are coming, you can come a little closer to give room for those who are behind us. And we're going to pray. And I believe, as we see in every meeting, that the Lord's hand will bring the breakthrough. His mighty, His righteous, mighty hand will bring the breakthrough, will bring the healing, will bring the restoration, will bring the miracle. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, you see 
the hunger. You see the thirst. You see the desire. You see the need. So I ask tonight, today, Lord, that you would break each and every one of the chains that separate the people of God from the fullness that you have for them. Lead us, Lord, out of the circumstances. Lead us, Lord, out of this city, out of this town, this spiritual atmosphere. You are not going to necessarily lead us out of Big Bear. No, you are going to lead us out of the things, our environment, Lord. You're going to lead us out of the things that have held us back. It may be, it may be chains of alcoholism. It may be chains of drug addiction. It may be thoughts, thought patterns. It may be, it may be the way that we think of others. Maybe the way they think of ourselves. Lord, it might be the, our mentality as we go into work. Or maybe even a spirit of poverty in our minds. We think we can't ever get ahead. God has destined me to be poor. He's destined me to be miserable. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, whatever mentality needs to be broken, lead us out of that. Lead us out of that. Allow us to see and open our eyes. Remove us and open our eyes. Touch our eyes right now. Friend, begin to visualize the great things that God wants to do in your life. Visualize it right now. I want you to visualize that promised land. I want you to visualize that healing. I want you to visualize that miracle in your body. Begin to visualize the miracle in your finances, with your family, your marriage. Begin to visualize the harmony and the peace that God has for you and your family. Begin to visualize that. Begin to see it as God opens your eyes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we come against each and every sickness. I pray that you would begin with the head. I pray, God, that you would touch the brain, touch the circulatory system, Lord, touch the cardiovascular system, touch the respiratory system. I come against the spirit of high blood pressure and clogged arteries in Jesus' mighty name. We come against the spirit of stress, the spirit of stroke, the spirit of diabetes, spirit of arthritis in Jesus' mighty name. We come against type 2 diabetes in Jesus mighty name we come against each and every one of these issues of arthritis and problems in our joints and pain in our back we come against these principalities of darkness that seek to draw down to to decay the body before its time in Jesus mighty name we send a word of healing to the to each and every one of these genetic codes to the DNA Lord that is here represented we send a word of healing I want you to locate your area in your body where you're sick and place your hand over the location in your body if you are sick. If you are not physically sick, place your hand over your heart. Lord, touch right now. Touch the body. Touch it right now. Touch the spirit, right? Touch the soul right now. Touch the emotions. Touch the mind. Touch the spiritual eyesight. Touch the psychological eyesight. Touch the entrepreneurial eyesight, Lord. Touch the future. And their ability to see it, Lord. Touch the spirit right now. Touch their spirit. Release the captive in Jesus' mighty name. Bind up the brokenhearted, Lord. Release those who are in captivity in Jesus' mighty name. Power of God is coming. Power of God is coming. It is coming. God is doing something. He is doing something in our midst. Something is happening. Algo está pasando. Something is happening. Algo está sucediendo aquí en este lugar. Something is happening in this place. Levanta tus manos, raise up your hands, and just say, Lord, I receive it. I receive what you have for me. Señor, yo lo recibo. Lo recibo en el nombre de Jesús. I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Something powerful, powerful presence of God is in this place. He is breaking the chains. He is setting the captive free. He is healing those who are sick. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Power of God, power of God. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him right now. Don't be like the nine. Return, return and say thank you, Lord. Return and say thank you, Lord, and express your heartfelt gratitude. Hallelujah. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on each and every one of us. Place your hand upon our lives. Place it upon our minds. Place it upon our bodies. Upon our homes. Peace of God, the provision, the divine provision of God. Lord, I pray that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a financial blessing upon those who are in need. I pray your provision would fall upon those. And yes, I know that you are calling some to be outstanding donors, kingdom investors. I pray that even if they're living in poverty right now, spark the idea. Spark the idea that will initiate that flow of income to come so that the kingdom of God will be built around the world. I know that there are people you've called in this church to build the kingdom of God in China, to build great things in other locations, other parts of the world. For there are people, Lord, that you are calling for the divine purpose of raising up not only buildings, but also other ministers. I pray that that would come, that ability to teach and disciple others would come out of this church. Continue to build disciples and raise up those who are apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. Out of this church, Lord, call, Lord, today. Call today so that we're not just in some kind of survival mode. No, that we're living. That we're living. For God has not called you to survive. He's called you to live. To have life in abundance. He's not calling you to survive. He's calling you to live. I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want you to do it in an audible voice if you can. Say it with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize your authority. That you sent your son to die on the cross to redeem me, to save me, to set me free, to bring me to a whole new level. Jesus, I accept that you would extract me from my circumstances to have a one-on-one time with me. I know that you place your hand on my head. You grant me vision. You restore my sight. Restore my soul. You restore my finances and my health, my relationships, my family. Because you are a God who loves me. I ask that you would allow me to walk in your blessings. What you promise in Deuteronomy 28, I want to walk in your blessings. I want to walk in your favor. And help me to be a reflection to a dying world, the love of God, your love for them. Help me to bring people into the kingdom by the love of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Now just receive it right where you're at. Just receive that miracle. Receive that breakthrough. Receive God's hand moving in your life right now. Just receive it. Just receive it right now.
Receive it right where you're at. Hallelujah. 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 This morning, this is this is maybe a little foreign to you. You're like, wow, this is this is interesting. You've never committed your life. You've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, or maybe you, you've done that, but you've never committed your life to Him. Don't miss this opportunity today. The Lord wants to pour out blessings. He wants to give us promise. He wants to bring healing. But the greatest miracle that Jesus does is to save us take us from a place of desperation and absolute lostness. Give us hope and salvation to remove our sin and give us a new life. Don't miss that opportunity today. If, if, you're, if you're in here this morning and that's you, I need to commit my life to the Lord. I need to be saved. I'm going to ask you something very bold. I want you to raise your hand. Just so we can pray with you. If you've you've drifted off, you've walked away from the place that you know you should be, and today you're ready to come home fully. No more playing games. You're, even as Jason was sharing, you're ready to, to leave those things that he calls you out of. I want you to lift your hand and say, that's me today. That's me today. Okay. Then with your voice, tell him, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to surrender all to you. But I need your help. I commit my life, my future, my hope. Strengthen me. Surround me with other believers. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I recommit my life to you this day. No turning back. 100%. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Now you have an obligation this morning. You have a duty. And that's to find somebody. One of the leaders. Your life group leader. That you go and say. I made that. I prayed that. And I want to commit my life. But I need help. So we can walk with you. We can help you. Continue and get back in. Step with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for doing what a mighty work this morning. God, for giving me personally strength and a hope, vision. God, for moving in our midst, for touching us. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for bringing the man of God this morning to encourage and minister to us. We pray a blessing upon him. 
upon Cindy, upon their girls, upon the ministry that they do throughout the world, through radio, through crusades. Provide every everything they need, every dollar, every penny, every place to preach the gospel. Bless them, God. Bless them. Let your hand of provision and prosperity and blessing be upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this morning, you can, if you want, you can go back and be seated or you can stand here, but we have a chance to be part of that blessing and provision into the ministry. And we're going to receive an offering. They also have things on the back table that would really bless you. Some different books. Do you have all all three of your books? They're all out there.